Welcome back to the podcast, everybody. My name's Mike Yarrow. I am your host. Today I am joined with my good homie and co-host, Gabe Kelly. Hey there, how you doing, man? Oh, you know, it's another beautiful day in the recording session, man. I'm so happy that we're finally getting this podcast done and out into the internet. Uh, it's hard and more difficult than I think either of us thought it was going to be, but I'm happy that we're doing it. Yeah, absolutely. It's harder than I thought it was going to be to sit down and take the time out of the day to like just have a conversation, but um, I'm not, glad we're getting it done. It's not even the conversation part that's the hard part. It's the... <laughs> editing and the processing and the getting available on streaming platforms it's very complicated yeah but you know i think our first episode was a little rough but i think that you know now that we've had a actual trial run we're going to be able to you know refine our approach yeah absolutely and even though it's been rough it's still been very fun to work on and i think in the future it'll hopefully just continue to get better and better until it's what we really want it to be I mean, I think I think the most important part of our podcast is the underlying messages that we're going to be bringing to our listeners every other week. And, you know, I don't want to just get on here and only talk about, you know, cooking and marijuana because, you know, there there's more to life than that, too. You know, there's other things that are deeply connected, and I want people to actually take something away from this. Yeah, I definitely feel that. Um, I feel that the people that we line up and have lined up so far are definitely uh, making it a little bit easier for us to come up with some deeper uh, topics of conversation. Um, I feel like it'll get a little bit more difficult as time goes on, but at the same time, uh, I feel like we've got a pretty deep pool of people to bring on that Absolutely. are very, I mean, a lot of stuff to say. Coworkers to, you know, old friends, people that I've worked with around the country, my chef friends, your chef friends. Yeah, absolutely. Our friends in the weed industry. <laughs> you know, there's we have a deep pool to pool, to pick from, but I think that you know, I'm not we're not just going to have any old chef or any old person on this podcast because, you know, I want them to be bringing something to the conversation as well. Substance. And I think that our guest today is really somebody that I've been able to trust and talk to. Uh, to help me through my own problems, uh, but she's just very motivated, and we'll get we'll get more into that later on. But uh, first, let's get down to the topic at hand, my friend. Yeah. Um, so we're talking about mental health today. Yeah, talking about healthy coping mechanisms uh, and what goes along with coping in general, and also unhealthy coping mechanisms because I think it's very important that we have a clear distinction because a lot of people cope to cope, and that is okay. But you got to call a spade a spade, you know? Yeah. So, I mean, you know, especially because now it's getting colder out. I've, you know, been struggling to stay positive and joyful. Seasonal depression is a very real thing. Absolutely. It's so tough to deal with, especially in Michigan where the weather is already a little bit gloomy. <laughs> Just the and feel cold. around here. And very cold. And then it starts to get even colder like it's a sunny day out it's it's pretty nice i can see the sun there's no sort of like rain or anything and it's like 30 degrees it is so just cold for no reason and it's gonna get colder man we're not even really into winter yet true um <laughs> it's december 9th but <laughs> you know i think that 
a big part of why people struggle with their mental health, especially in the winter, is because, you know, there's two very big family-oriented holidays right at the start of winter, Thanksgiving and Christmas, and then New Year's as well. And, you know, if you're not talking to your family, if you're distanced from your family by yourself, Mm -hmm. um, working, there's just so many things that happen because for a lot of people, you know, the holidays are a break, but they're, you know, the rest of us keep working. Yeah. You know, some of us have jobs that even through the holidays never close. Oh, yeah. For the last uh, two and a half years, I have not really, I've done holidays, but it's either been after work or before work. And honestly, this is the first year where I'm not, I've told my family that I'm not really doing holidays. And it's honestly more of a relief in a way for me personally, just because um, I just get to work (laughs) more and not really... I love my family, but holidays are chaotic. So <laughs> a lot of people's family situations are stressful. My, my my family stresses me out for sure. And you know, on one hand, I would love to see them, but then I actually think about what that would entail for the holidays and the, the, the just all of that. And it's just a lot to go through, especially when you know you may not necessarily have the best relationship with everybody, and. I think it's important for people to find their own purpose for the season and, you know, dedicate themselves to something. Absolutely. You know, whether it be cooking and, you know, you want to start learning more cookbooks or like us, you know, we're putting ourselves in this podcast and other projects that we have coming up. Um, You know, maybe you, you want to be a plant person, just something that can kind of give you a routine to your day so you're just not kind of stuck glum in the house especially now that we're in a pandemic every person should be a plant person by the way i am very pro plants they'll make you happier and they'll add a stability to your life i i am also very pro plants but plants are not for everybody you know not everybody has the uh, ability to keep plants alive or the attention span and that's okay yeah absolutely there's a lot of different things too that you can add to your life uh, to really just add that little bit of stability and it's really simple too um. when we talk about mental health it's kind of sounds like this very broad subject because it is and there's so many different facets to people's emotional and mental stability which for me is all kind of encompassed in mental health because if your emotions are out of whack it's going to put stress on your mental health you know, emotional stress is very real and causes a lot of trauma and pain for people. So yeah. I think learning how to handle that and properly manage your way through the issues that you face in life is the way to go. Yeah, I definitely agree. Um, I think a lot of people really nowadays uh, tend to uh, push things aside and not really bring them up to themselves and think about it, especially when it comes to mental health. And I think... Uh, one good thing that has come out of this pandemic is a lot of people have been forced to kind of deal with mental health because they are stuck with themselves. Just quarantined, doing things, or even just not doing anything. But I feel like it's been, uh, I feel like we're seeing a lot more about mental health, especially during the pandemic, because it's just right in your face. And now even people before who didn't think they had, you know, troubles with their mental health are significantly more stressed out this is hard on everybody you know 
especially here in the country where you know stimulus had came like how how many months ago? Long time. I didn't even get mine. You know, Same. a lot of people didn't see money and are now struggling to make work and money with no jobs and with more and more closings possibly coming in the future. It is chaotic and it feels like you know you we're walking on this balance line between like chaos and more chaos yeah absolutely and on top of that when you're stressed out because you gotta stop saying yeah absolutely it's been like the sixth time in a row <laughs> i meant to say it like two times ago i'm sorry word well it's just gonna sound well that thought's gone so i'm sorry i'm sorry you're good i, I just i figured i'd say something sooner rather than later yeah I got you um so I think that one of the best ways that I learned how to um balance myself out um especially as a young out of balance teenager um was with cannabis and specifically THC and CBD used together but in their separate forms, if that makes sense. Yeah. So, you know, getting like CBD lotions and teas, yada, yada, really helped me with like physical pains and aches that I was going through, which was adding to, you know, stress on me. But then also, you know, the THC helped balance my mind out so that I was, I was able to properly process my emotions and the things that I was going through and feeling. Yeah. Um, I think cannabis can be really helpful for a lot of people. I also think that it is not uh, every, not every, uh, goodness, not for everybody. Um, everybody processes things differently. Everybody's brain chemistry is different. And um, me personally, I have found cannabis to be a big help with stress and uh, just a way of like, like you said, to balance out the mind a bit. But I also know a lot of people who can't smoke or anything because it really just unbalances the mind. I have a good friend I work with who uh, just won't smoke, doesn't take edibles, doesn't do anything just because he finds that it makes him angry. He just gets very, like, everything is just annoying and just kind of sets him off. So I can understand in that situation where that would definitely not be a stress reliever and would just additionally add on. And I think some of that comes from the, like, the head high from THC and people not being comfortable or like an out-of-body experience paranoia is very real and for a lot of people it's too much and so you really need to do your research before you start experimenting don't just dive off into what looks good you know understand why you want to use these products and you know search have a purpose you know if you're trying to manage your stress try to find strains and products that will help with that if it's more of a physical pain ailment you know there's a variety of issues just the research is the most important part i agree 100 percent. i think it's very important to sit down and understand um, not only what you're putting into your body but the effects that it's going to have on you and understanding i think it's just really important to really just hit that point of like being able to really know what's happening i feel like that gives you a very nice grounding point for people who do get very anxious and very paranoid Awareness. i feel like yeah 
understanding what's happening, understanding why it's happening is very helpful in those stressful situations. And I mean, that's what coping is, you know, sitting down and being like, okay, this is what I'm going through. This is what I'm feeling. What do I need to do to get through this? Yeah. You know, whether it be something physical, something mental, there's so many ways that people find to cope with the stresses of life. The problems come in when people don't cope with those stresses and those traumas and just repress them and lose themselves online or in their work. Definitely. I found a lot of people in the kitchen industry, I find, lose themselves in work. And it's been kind of crazy to see a lot of my friends uh, be so upset during this pandemic because there's that stress of I don't have money because I'm not working right now. And that's extremely, it's a lot, it's really taxing on the mind. But then on top of that, if you're somebody who works every day and puts all your time into work to not deal with your problems, now you have all these issues just and flooding all you. All the time. And you have no money and it's just all this that you haven't been dealing with it's overwhelming absolutely and i feel like people are getting overwhelmed a lot more now but i also feel like there are a lot more resources out there to help and to find out how to cope and find out what's best for you whether it be some people like cannabis. I also find that music is a really good way to cope, whether it be making music or just sitting down and listening to music. Um, like people are throwing themselves into crafts so often nowadays, and I love it um, just because there's so much create. There's so much more creativity I feel like going on that's coming from people finally coping. And also, you know, like I said earlier, finding that thing to give their life a little bit more structure you know, finding something that makes them happy, that sparks joy. And, you know, when you have that coping mechanism, it is so much more beneficial. And I think that with my own coping mechanisms for a long time, I didn't have any because I just didn't deal with my problems. I didn't. I couldn't for a long time because I couldn't process them just because I was very young. And you know, I've thought about therapy, but then also there's a part of me that needs to sit down and try to understand myself and, you know, n know what I want from life and give myself that drive and purpose. Because at the end of the day, your life is your own to live and you have to figure out what that means for you in each individual instance. Mm, absolutely. Um, it's it's just it's crazy um how much this pandemic has really brought all of this to the surface uh, in a big way i also think it's kind of a beautiful thing so we were talking about paranoia and anxiety a little bit earlier and i think that's why a lot of people who've had bad first experiences with marijuana shy away from it for the rest of their lives and something I think that's important to be stated is only until very recently was marijuana legalized for most, for even not even most people, only about 25% of the country lives, lives in a state where it's legal. And for the rest of the country, your first time smoking is usually not a good one because it's very stressful. You're doing something illegal. Oh, it's yeah. just, it's just a bad memory. 
which then continues to add to that feeling of anxiety and panic when you do smoke and there is that paranoia. Yeah, when there is no safety, when there's no like safe that safety net of I can't get in trouble for this, it can be a lot more uh, scary. Especially, you know, um, I had friends who were locked up when I were younger and, you know, they're still in jail. Yeah. You know, it... 25 years to life over a plant is outrageous it's ridiculous to think about and even in those places it's still not possible for them to get out when we talk about mental health i think it's also important to understand that there are stigmas in certain communities and industries around that subject because you know whether you need to just tough it out whether that's not a real problem a lot of people try to belittle and you know make it seem like it doesn't affect them you know that's for other people you know i i don't get depressed that's that's for every that's for others yeah and you know understanding that it's okay to have those struggles is important um, especially for chefs, we work in such a hard industry where you suffer physical cuts, burns, long hours, little menial pay, and an ex- expectation that you work even harder for pennies. And I just think that when it comes to us in the kitchen, we need to really take a a moment and dedicate ourselves to bettering ourselves so that when we go back to work you know our mental is gathered together you know we've we've got our right mindset and then slowly but surely try to influence the environments that we work in because if we influence the environments we work in slowly but surely we, we can create a culture and once we do that then you know we can start to break down the stigmas and the problems and the fears for sure i remember very clearly the first kitchen job i worked at um uh, a good friend of mine who I still am very close with who works in kitchens um, dubbed me sad boy Gabe because I was going through a bunch of stuff and I was just out of high school and there was just angst but we also came to the point where um, I started getting really upset about it but at the same time he made it always known that it was okay that it was fine to be sad boy game. And I feel like it's really important. I don't like, I really don't think the kitchen should lose its sense of people needing a tough skin. But I also think that when there is that moment of flame, there should also be a moment of compassion afterwards, or at least at some point. Not even so much tough skin. You can still be tough skinned and understand that, you know, we're all human. We all go through the same issues and struggles. So, you can go ahead, man. We'll edit it out. You're all good. You know, it's okay to be tough skinned. That does not mean that you can't recognize when you need help. I think that a lot of people feel like they can't talk in kitchens because we don't have HR departments. Yeah. 
there really isn't somebody you can talk to who's not directly in charge of you or has no authority at all. Yeah. You either got it or you don't in the kitchen. Very true. That's something I was speaking about um, with a good friend of mine last night, actually, is that feeling of working for somebody rather than working with somebody. And I feel like uh, the kitchen that I'm currently working in has such a really good environment because my manager is my manager and I understand that and I have that respect for him but it does not feel as if I'm working for him rather than I'm working with him and I've talked with him and he has that exact same feeling with the owner and it's one of those things where it's not so much this is my boss and this is the man who controls me more so this is the man who funds my ideas and is giving me the like opportunity to do this and I think fostering an environment where it's more we are working together and not I'm under you would be a big help. Definitely that ability to just have a conversation. Yeah. All too often, especially when we're at work, you know, we've got to talk about work stuff, but you know, what about after work when so many of us find ourselves in the same bars with the same people? Yeah. Drinking their problems, smoking their problems unhealthy coping mechanisms but coping mechanisms all the same absolutely and i think that recognizing your healthy behavior and your unhealthy behavior is critical when it comes to actually you know making those steps forward and actually processing what you're going through because you can even be unconsciously coping with with problems it happens all the time you don't even understand what you're going through and you just bluff through it and you suppress it that's not a healthy coping mechanism, but you're pushing through it. For sure. And that's actually something I love about the kitchen that I was talking with that friend about last night, too, is um, uh, it's one of those environments where if you are having a bad day, if you're upset, everybody knows. It's incredibly hard to hide your feelings in a kitchen. It's incredibly hard to sit like, like mm, how am I want to say this? We're not we're not in our own cubicles, you know. We're yeah, not in our that's own such a good way to say. It. I'm we're actually working in one kitchen. I'm just gonna bite this exact uh, little phrase from him. Uh, working in an office, you can have a shitty day and be in your little cubicle and be all upset, and just like nobody will know because you just go to the water cooler and they're like, "Hey, how's your day? Oh, I'm doing fine." And you go back to your little cubicle where nobody can see you and you can have your shitty little day. But if you're in a kitchen everybody's constantly around you you are in the open if you're having a rough day it's gonna come out and like an environment where it's okay to talk about that is so important and it's probably one of my favorite things about the kitchen it's not common for a lot of cooks to be able to be vulnerable at their jobs because our jobs require us to be you know rough and tough you gotta deal you gotta put up with shit you gotta you gotta deal the shit as well you know there's just a lot that goes on but you know at one of my last jobs in chicago we had a day where we stayed late you know we were there till about two in the morning but we just got together had a little competition making omelets bonded had fun you know played music and just talked and I think not enough places do that. You know, my culinary mother and teacher, 
she used to have what we would call family dinners. After every single function we worked, whether it was a fashion show, a catering, um, lunch for the teachers, lunch for the administrators, we always sat down afterwards, we ate what we had left, and we talked about where we went wrong and where we went right. And I don't see that enough in kitchens. And I think if we did, if we sit down and we processed and we talked about it and talked through it, not only would our kitchens get better, but like I said, we would start to foster that culture. I agree. Um, it's looking like we're getting about time to take a break. Uh, when we get back, we'll be talking with a special guest uh, more about healthy coping mechanisms and mental health. Um, Micah? Make sure you guys get some water, take a stretch break, and hear an ad from our sponsors. We'll be right back. back to the podcast everybody hope you guys grabbed some stretches and some beverages we both did gabe and myself and i'm so excited to get into this uh big portion of our segment today we have a very special guest contributor she is a los angeles based life coach relationship strategist speaker and hairstylist i met her when i was living in los angeles as uh she was a hairstylist on uh the set of the show that i was on um she has worked on mm, all variety of sets from Hunger Games to MasterChef, Masters of Sex, everything in between. She's worked with every type of person while working this and her interactions with these people, I believe, is what caused her to realize that she can, in fact, help people better their lives as a life coach. Everybody, please welcome to the show, Miss Anna Rose Kern. Anna. Hi, Micah. Thank you for having me. Of course. How have you been? I've been good, you know, as good as can be in a pandemic. It's so nice to chat with you. I love keeping up with you on social. I really, you know, had such a great time working with you when we worked together on MasterChef. I think you have such an amazing spirit and I'm so excited for this new project of yours. Oh, thank you, Anna. That's very sweet. I am very excited about this also. You know, you know that I'm passionate about culinary arts and cannabis and always always have been if i wasn't talking about one of those two things i was probably too tired to be talking so <laughs> I yeah like to take a second to introduce you to my um fantastic co-host gabe kelly hi how you doing nice to meet you nice to meet you he has been a longtime friend of mine and one of the people who helped get me into cannabis and he is also um in the culinary industry and uh, an aspiring chef in his own right your local oh. pizza tosser. Well, I love that. That's oh pizza. Okay, love it. <laughs> so earlier in our segment, before we brought you in, we were touching on our topic for the um, podcast this episode, and it is mental health, marijuana, and coping mechanisms. Now, yeah. I feel like all of these three are interrelated for the obvious reasons, but hopefully we can get down into some of the smaller things defining what a healthy coping mechanism, unhealthy coping mechanism is, and you know how we can manage our mental health through those things. Absolutely, this is totally my lane. I'm so excited to be here. <laughs> awesome. Well, I mean, I know I talked a little bit about it earlier, but I just wanna get your perspective on 
why you became a life coach and um, who do you mainly work with and you know who do you do you, if you even have a target clientele um, and give us a little info on that yeah I mean I, I became a life coach because I spent my life working with people in a very close way and realizing that you know being on set, it, it's a really exhausting uh, job and it can be kind of a little bit of a toxic industry. So a couple years ago, I decided that I wanted to pivot and realize that being a life coach and being a hairstylist are very similar things. <laughs> so I shifted into coaching because I really wanted to help people change their lives and I felt like I could implement change on a higher level if I was doing it professionally. I really like that you t uh, brought up toxicity because that was actually the topic of our last episode yeah. um, where we interviewed a chef and we talked about the toxicity that uh, exists within our own industry and how tough it can be to interact with people um, around things like mental health and speaking out about problems that have been going on in the workplace. Definitely. And um, I just, it's so funny that you mentioned that because today on my Instagram story, for the very first time, I actually shared how toxic the entertainment industry can be. It, it led me to chronic burnout and almost having a heart attack about three years ago, actually shortly after you and I met, um, I think it was that I took a job that was so stressful that it almost gave me a heart attack at age 30. And that's really what made me go, okay, this is not going to work for me anymore. Like long-term, this is not a sustainable option. And I had to learn coping mechanisms to manage the stress during the pivot, right? Because you can't just say, I'm done with this and step to the next thing. It's a process. It's taken me three years to get here. And I still do occasionally take work on set. I, I can totally get that. Um, and it, I, think it, I think it's really awesome that you were able to identify that the workplace that you were working in was the contributing factor to the problems that you were going through that you were able to like single that out and realize that this required a change. Yeah, definitely. And, and that's kind of the, the, the reason that people come to work with a coach, somebody like me is for that because it's really hard to get perspective on your own challenges when you're looking at them from the inside. It's really hard to understand how big a problem is because when it's your problem, it expands to fill all of the space. So even if it's not a huge problem, it can feel like one. And that's why it's great to get perspective from somebody who's a neutral party, right? Your friend can help you, your mom, your dad, your brother, your husband, whatever. But a neutral party can look at it from a lens of non-judgment and non-bias. And that's literally what working with a coach is. Yeah, that's totally fantastic. Awesome. Uh, I got another question for you. Yeah. How has a hairdresser in television in Hollywood changed or influenced your opinion on like fame and stardom? Oh man, it's shattered all illusions. Let me tell you right now. Um, people are never as they appear to be. Sometimes they're way better. Sometimes they're way worse. But what I do did learn in my time, it's been 12 years that I've worked in the entertainment industry is that nobody is really who they appear to be on TV. The Gordon Ramsay is the one that people ask me about the most. Isn't he, does he yell at you? Is he so mean? No, Gordon is the nicest man. He's one of the loveliest people I've ever had the pleasure of working with. 
And he presents like this big scary guy on his shows, but he's a giant teddy bear. Mike, you can attest to that. You know, he's super nice. Absolutely. Gordon was an absolute pleasure to work with. And I didn't even realize that we had so many things in common, but I feel like he makes a genuine effort to try to connect people with people on a human level. And, Absolutely. You know, kind of go like throw away this like facade of this larger than life figure, you know, when the cameras aren't rolling. But then as soon as, you know, we started filming, it was like he almost fell into character. And I feel yeah. like he has developed that. I feel like all television and television stars and reality star chefs, that's that's what they do because, you know, that's what people like. Yeah, people want to see the show, and I am totally love that he's down to give them the show. But no, nothing is as it seems on television. Nothing is as another show. I work on The Bachelor, and people are always asking me about that show. And it's nothing is ever as it seems on that show. That's gotta be crazy. It's that's one of my Master Chef and The Bachelor are definitely my favorite shows that I work on because I love to watch them. Yeah. So the, those are definitely my favorites, and those are the ones where I really like seeing behind the scenes because you know it's it's not what you see on the screen. I'll tell you that. And that I think, is. That is one thing I learned for sure is, is MasterChef is a lot. There's so many people who make that show run. And there's yeah. so many behind the things that happen. I think that's one yeah. of the more interesting points for me as someone who I have no, I have not ever been anywhere near a television set or anything like that. I haven't really even like wanted, wanted really to like step out of like my little shell to like go and try to do something like that. But living with Micah and sitting down and watching Micah's season and another one with him was really interesting and eye-opening to hear a lot of the things that like you wouldn't hear if you were just sitting down watching it with your buddy that also had nothing to like, didn't really know much about it. But hearing all the behind the scenes stuff, hearing how things really went down, what got cut, what was happening was really interesting, kind of eye-opening to how like a lot of television works. And uh, I would just let, let's like to clarify, um, I did not, in fact, violate my NDA, I promise. <laughs> I, I kept everything that I needed to keep secret, secret. Uh, yeah. Although my contract is now officially up, so I am back to my free self. So our next question for you, Anna, is obviously everybody struggles with mental health. And like you've said, you've worked on multiple sets, in, which are a very stressful situation. So how have you seen people that, whether it be coworkers, executives, producers, how have you seen them handle mental stress on, like, on set and off set? And is there any type of stigma around um, seeking help with your mental health? Oh, yeah. Well, I think Hollywood sets are an interesting kind of microcosm of um, the world. Stress is expected and anticipated and considered normal. When shows are too calm and too easy, people assume something's going wrong. And I've never really worked, I mean, I've never really worked in any other environment, right? I've been working in this business for 12 years. The, the, almost my entire professional career has been in this environment. Yeah. But when I talk to other people who have normal jobs and I see how much less stressful other jobs can be, um, it's very eye-opening. People expect a certain level of anxiety, stress, pressure on set. And I think there's definitely, with anything, a stigma about getting help, about seeking therapy or coach or whatever. I think it's a lot 
it's that stigma has gone down a lot, especially since the pandemic. Like we all know that you got to talk to a professional. You need that third party lens, whether it's a therapist or a coach, or I prefer people to do both. You need somebody that you can bounce stuff off of because it's just too hard. Now you brought up therapy and therapy is something that is crucial to a lot of people. And a lot of people do need therapy. Um, myself included, but therapy can be very expensive. So what are some ways for people that you would recommend for people who are struggling to work through what they're going through and can't really afford at this moment to go to a therapist? Absolutely. It can be very expensive. Um, right now there's some great options that I've found. Um, Talkspace is an app and it's like $40 a month. And you can text with a therapist. Um, you can research organizations locally or on a national level that offer sliding scale or free therapy resources. There are so many out there right now because of the pandemic. So many therapists have been taking their time to donate their services to people who can't afford it because everybody needs access to that. So just a quick Google of a local organization around you that offers free or sliding scale therapy, or there are some national scale organizations that offer it as well. I think something that, <clears throat> ooh, I think something that's really cool is that the way that we're progressing as society and like the way that things are going nowadays, it seems like there, I think the pandemic definitely helped. It seems like there is a much stronger, uh, I guess, spotlight pointed on uh, taking care of oneself, not only just physically, but mentally now. And I think that's something that is really cool that there's a lot of free resources out there to help with people. I think it's something that still needs to be touched on. But I was wondering if you promote um, any sort of like self-therapy, such as like meditation, mantras, things of that nature. Yeah, I mean, I love the the conversation that we're having on a global scale right now uh, because of the pandemic we've been forced into this place of vulnerability where we've all had to develop coping mechanisms whatever they may be um yes to meditation yes to mantras i love affirmations um i love i'm like a total journaler i love creating a gratitude list i love doing like a bullet point of what happened in the day. There's lots of different ways that you can check in with yourself for totally for free. So I think those are great. Personally, I have a, a hot and cold relationship with meditation because I struggle with it. Yeah, I struggle I with it. How you feel. I have a hard time sitting down and really just completely shutting out like a lot of things. I feel like that's really hard for yeah. a lot of people to do. Last summer, it's so I was with with a group of people who were very serious about meditation um and we we took a really long road trip i was gone for about three months and we just went into nature and meditated frequently and at first you know as somebody who is supremely adhd it was hard for me but you know being able to not be in my house and be in nature there's just something very calming about that. And, you know, it's very easy to just focus on what's around you and let that calm you down. Whereas I feel like sometimes when people try to meditate at home, 
there's so many other distractions, you know, technology, your roommates, your friends, family, whatever, the cats, (laughs) you know, it's, it's hard sometimes. Yeah. I mean, the number one tip I can give for meditation. So I attended a meditation school in Thailand that was an Osho meditation school. And I went there for two months and I meditated every single day for an hour and I still hate meditation. (laughs) But the best tip that I can give if you're starting out is sit somewhere quiet where you're not going to be disturbed, set a timer on your phone for three minutes and just say in your mind, as you breathe in, say the word in. And as you breathe out, say the word out in your head for three minutes. And if you can do three minutes, the next time do five minutes. And if you can do five minutes, the next time do seven minutes and just build it very slowly because meditation is hard. It's just hard. (laughs) I'm not going to pretend that it's not, but it's super helpful when you can get into that clear blank slate mind state. I'm going to have to try that out myself. Totally. I, I definitely would agree that focusing on your breathing is something that helped me supremely. And we were the guy that I was learning from talked a lot about his chakras and how breathing is part of that. And I'm not going to get into that on this podcast, but breathing really is an important part of meditation and breathing properly and using your diaphragm, that whole spiel. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Just, and you know, understanding that it's thoughts will come up. There is not like some magic button you push to make all your thoughts go away, but just concentrating on the one thought, the in, and the out will help quiet everything down. Definitely. And I've, I've heard of some, that's very similar ways to a lot of, what well, a lot of people recommend to deal with anxiety. And mm-hmm. obviously this has been a very stressful year for everybody. And I feel like people's anxieties are at an all time high. What with, I mean, especially in America with the fatality rate of COVID being as high as it is, you know, a lot of people are struggling with anxiety. And, you know, for people who are struggling with anxiety, I always recommend um, to try a CBD or a THC product, whether it be an edible, whether it be a vape pen, whether it be some actual flower. I think that people have this like this deep inbred stigma because of living in America for so long and the way that the laws were that they're scared to try to, you know, try it. But would you recommend that to somebody struggling with anxiety or mental health? Absolutely. I am such a proponent of cannabis for anxiety relief. I personally use it. I use cannabis daily to manage my mood and to calm my anxiety. I mean, last night I was experiencing terrible. I'm so sorry if you can hear my dog barking in the background. It's okay. <laughs> crazy. Um, last night I had terrible anxiety. And I, you know, was talking about choosing the right product, right? Because a lot of people go, oh, well, weed makes me anxious. You've probably not used... Paranoid. Paranoid, right? You've probably not used the right product. You've probably not chosen the right strain. This doesn't mean, like, go get a joint from your little brother and light up. I want you to be very intentional if you're going to use cannabis products for anxiety about what you're choosing. You need to do your homework on what is going into your body because you can't just blindly pick a pre-roll from the dispensary or get one from your friend. Like I always say, you need to know what's going in. So whether it's a CBD product, a THC product, 
um, whatever it is you need to know. Choosing the right strain is important. Choosing the right delivery method is important. It's, you know, otherwise you could actually end up making your anxiety worse if you don't choose correctly. Absolutely. I, um, I really, I really like the way that you phrase that because I am a big proponent of using marijuana to help anxiety as well. I personally use it for my anxiety and for a lot of other issues, but, um, one thing that I know is like a big issue is people smoke once and it makes them more anxious. And then they have people constantly berating them about, Oh, like, come on, man. Like you just tried the wrong strain. Like, this one won't make you anxious. And I feel like that can be a bit dogging at times and a bit off-putting when people are constantly like, no, you have to do it. Like, you have to do it. Like, don't, like, it'll fix it. Like, you just did the wrong one. But I think the way that you phrased it is really, really good because if it's not a matter of, like, you got the wrong one, it's, I mean, it is that. But it's also a matter of, like, you didn't take the time to, like, understand what was fully going on and understand what you were putting in your body and what it was going to do and how it was going to make you feel. You didn't do the research beforehand, but with proper research and proper tools, I feel like it's one of like the best ways. And this is just segued so smoothly into the next topic that I wanted to talk about. Um, Gabe has actually taught me a lot about cannabis oils, terpenes, strains, different types of hash oils and processes. Um, Gabe, you, you, you and I have talked a lot about differences between indica and sativa and whether or not, you know, certain terpenes are good versus yeah. bad. Um, I, I kind of want you to go into a little bit of detail about what things people should look for when they're trying, whether it's actual flour for the first time or whether they want to try distillates, wax. Yeah, Just absolutely. Kind of touch on that. Um, I think that everybody enjoys cannabis in their own way and not everything is for everybody personally uh i prefer to dab i definitely i've been dabbing for a while now it's just my preferred method i think it's personally for me more clean Uh, i prefer the flavor and i just enjoy the whole experience of it the whole setup and tear down but um i think something that a lot of people uh get a little mixed up on sometimes but it's also like not completely relevant. Um, Indica and sativa are important, but at the same time, people really forget about terpenes. And a lot of what come, what a lot of where your high comes from, is not just like the fact of it being an indica or sativa, but a lot of it is the way that terpenes interact with your endocannabinoid receptors. So that's something that you really want to take into fact. Like you want to consider what terps uh, the strain you're looking at has, and I think that. The way that the marijuana industry is progressing is so crazy because it's you can really tell that now whereas a couple of years ago it was kind of just even if it was from a dispensary you didn't really know but now it's very i think it, most things are pretty clear and i think something that is a little bit easier if you're going for like specific terpenes or looking for very like individual things uh, i think wax is probably the way to go for that whether it be BHO or CRC, which I don't recommend smoking CRC personally, but uh, hash rosins, uh, distillate carts, there's so many different things, but there's so many individual ways to get just a certain thing that you want nowadays. I think, uh, like Anna brought up, I think it's really just, uh, it comes down to research and 
taking the time beforehand to understand what you what you're getting into absolutely i personally you know i i enjoy flour but um something that i appreciate um about wax is you can get it in a vaporizer pen yeah and you're not getting any of the harmful carcinogens that you do you know when you light something on fire and inhale it that's that's gonna hurt your lungs regardless well the difference is there's a combustion that happens when you're smoking flour whereas when you're dabbing wax whether it be out of a vape pen off a quartz dabber an e-mail titanium whatever, uh, whatever, whatever, you, whatever you want uh, it's not a combustion unless you're going way too hot it's a vaporization absolutely and that will help prolong your lungs if you do choose to smoke I also am starting my own edibles business and I promote edible use for everyone absolutely because you know a lot of people do not or cannot handle the stress of smelling like smoke being seen smoking you know some people have kids some people have um, lung issues there's just a variety of reasons why they can't smoke but yet you can still get the essential oils and the terpenes and the, the cbd and the thc that you need to handle whatever you're whatever you're going through absolutely and i've been definitely trying to i love a joint because i love the uh ritual of rolling it and lighting it and smoking yeah. it but I've been trying to transition into oil cartridges or wax because it is better for your lungs. And there are alternative ways to kind of get that same feeling. I, I've, I'm not great with edibles. I'm going to admit that I am uh, a little bit of a lightweight when it comes to edibles. My fiance can, can consume insane amounts of edibles and have no problem, but I just, they knock me right out. And even the micro doses I still struggle with, but I do like that it's a little bit more discreet. It's a little bit more, um, it's just an alternative consumption method. And I think everybody's on a little bit of a journey when they first start using cannabis to find what works for them, what the right dosage is, what the right strain is, what the right product is. So that's all part of the journey. I, I tell you, I, when I started first making edibles, I had no idea about milligrams or dosage. Oh my God. I. I made some dangerous edibles. I mean, I, I like sat down on my bed and woke up two hours later, still fully clothed in the same position. I was like, wait a minute, this, this, is, this is not for public consumption. We've all been here trying to learn how many milligrams we need to take. Oh yes. And I think making, making them is completely different than what your body reacts to when you eat them. And it, dosing them for myself has been a journey in itself. Uh, dosages are hard are so hard for anything but i think edibles especially just because depending on who makes them a quite a small slip up and how they made them yeah how <laughs> precise they are you know if you if you the temperature in whatever form cooking method you use is too high you can start to actually break down your thc and you no longer will get the same effect and that's when you start to get that sleepy like super tired feeling from edibles is because in the cooking process the thc started to break down into its smaller components and then when you eat them and your stomach at your stomach acid breaks it down further than your lungs would it incorporates into your bloodstream so much faster that's where that almost like sleepy just like put me out type edible comes from that is good to know i never knew that i had to learn through a, a vigorous process of work <laughs> and sleep 
So I'm gonna ask you another question, Anna, and I'm really curious about this because you know everybody struggles with stress and anxiety in their own way but what are some of the most common coping mechanisms you find your clients use to handle life um you know i think my clients generally i love to give kind of tips for stress and anxiety but the number one thing that i can tell people to do that will help with your stress and anxiety is to create good boundaries for yourself and good boundaries means saying no to things that you don't want to do and saying no to anything that doesn't directly serve your personal mission. And this is a very difficult thing to learn. It sounds really easy to do when you're talking about it. I know personally how hard it is to say no, and women especially struggle with this, but learning to, to not say yes to everything, to not, you don't have to take every opportunity that comes your way. You don't have to do every single favorite that comes your way. I have had to I have had to learn that especially be, yep. being uh, very quickly thrust into public spotlight I was just a normal teenager when I went on that show and yeah very quickly I realized every offer that comes your way is not an opportunity no and not everything is for you absolutely not everyone is for you not everything is for you and like something else that I had to learn is my mom taught me, told me this when I was a kid and I used to get like real salty about it because it made a lot of sense. <laughs> but she was like, if they don't invite you to sit, don't ask for a chair. Ooh, that's good wisdom, mama. Yeah. And I like, I would be like, well, what if I want to? She was like, but they don't want you. So why would you want to be there? That's and, and real. I, and I think nice. that that's something that has helped me realize, especially now, like when I'm older, you know, I would get hurt when I would see, we'll keep it in MasterChef, other contestants offered these promotional things that they do on their pages. And I was never brought up when I was, when I made it further than them in the competition. And I just yeah. had to realize at the end of the day, I'm not on there to be a social media influencer. As much as I love being on social media, I'm a chef. And focusing on food and doing that has been what I got out of it. So I think I've just had to learn to be grateful for the, for the opportunities I did get on that show, not versus what I you know, wanted to get. Exactly. I always say what's for you will find you. And you just have to trust that what's for you will find you because not everything is for you. That is, I, I, I love the way that's phrased. Go, what's up, bro? Oh, sorry. Gabe was signaling to me. My bad. Um, <laughs> so, for people who struggle with paranoia and anxiety, um, when they use, uh, it can be very gripping. And I know for a lot of kids that I knew, their paranoia stemmed from the legality of what they were doing. You know, mm -hmm. I, I graduated high school in Indiana, where it is definitely still not legal. And so, you know, there was definitely this just like, oh, I'm going to smell like smoke. You know, my car is going to smell like weed. And I feel like that's where some paranoia comes from. But what are some ways that for people who are uh, stoned or, or even not, I guess, um, who are trying to deal with paranoia, anxiety, like what are some ways that they can help center themselves? 
So I have an awesome anxiety hack that works whether you're stoned or not stoned. Um, first of all, if you're stoned and you're having anxiety and paranoia, if you chew on some peppercorns, I know this sounds crazy, but that ac action can actually bring you back down a little bit. Same goes for drinking a glass of orange juice, vitamin C, CBD oil will help. If you're too high, those few things will help bring you down. I am a living witness. All right. Yeah, it works. But my anxiety hack is to keep a clementine in the freezer. A little orange, those, you know those cute little oranges? Mm -hmm. Put them in the freezer. When you take it out of the freezer, you roll it around in your hands. That cold feeling will interrupt the signal in your brain. It helps ground you. And then as it warms up, you can peel it and eat it. And the cold sensation and the strong scent of the citrus combined with the vitamin C, all of those actions together will help ground you. And when you're doing this, be very intentional about the action. You know, don't do it and watch TV and not pay attention. Pay attention to the orange. Watch it heat up in your hands. Smell it as you peel it. Really focus on the flavor as you taste it. And those things are grounding actions. So they help bring you back down into your body instead of floating up away into the clouds. That's really smart. Wow. I it works not high anxiety too. That I've, I've had friends who struggle with disassociation and mm -hmm. I've watched them, you know, try to find ways to ground themselves. And, you know, that is something that I think is just incredibly genius because everything that you said is like what can help bring you out of that focusing centering yourself being intentional about what you're doing that's just awesome i love that yeah and it activates all of your senses because it's a bright color and it's cold and the flavor is strong and the smell is strong so you really have to pay attention to what you're doing and it really focuses you you on something outside of your own thoughts it's like a little baby meditation that's that, I, I love that you shared that with us. I hope that everybody who's listening uh, uses that little piece to help them get through their day. So my final question for you is, we've talked a little bit about CBD, which is nationally legalized now, thanks to the um, farmer's, farmer's law, grower's law? I don't remember. Yeah, I don't really know. Um, but CBD and hemp is now allowed for sale nationwide. And I know that a lot of people are very curious about it. So could you give us a little bit of insight before we wrap this up here about what CBD can do for you and what people might want to get into? Absolutely. I am a huge fan of CBD. I So much so that a few years ago, I even thought about starting my own CBD company. Um, so I have done a ton of research about the products, and I'm very discerning about the ones that I use. Um, CBD is the non-psychoactive cannabinoid that, that exists in the cannabis plant. So it doesn't give you the same kind of head high paranoia, anxiety that can sometimes accompany THC. Um, CBD really is for relaxation. It really is great for anxiety. It's great for um, aches and pains. You can use it topically. You can take it orally. You can uh, vape it. You can take capsule. Like there's so many different ways to get CBD into your body. And there's so many different delivery methods and it's legal nationwide. 
So I'd say if you're a baby cannabis user and you are worried about anxiety, you're worried about paranoia, get started with CBD. It's it's becoming very destigmatized. It's very um, much showing up in the mainstream in a, in a kind of impressive way. I went the other day, my friend went to get a massage and she sent me a picture of the um, massage menu and they had a CBD add-on at her massage place where you could add CBD massage cream to your massage for your muscles. So it's really readily available, widely available. Now here's the thing. There are tons of companies who make CBD and hemp products. You need to do your research before you purchase from them. Do your research. Don't buy anything. Yeah, don't buy anything from Amazon. It's not yeah. good. It's not quality. You want a high quality product. You want transparency about their lab process. You want to see on the label exactly what you're getting. How many milligrams of CBD? Is it full spectrum? Is it isolate? Is it CBDN? Is it CBDG? What is it and these are these things are all very googleable there's a wealth of information out there and there's some awesome companies that make awesome products but there are also companies out there that'll rip you off so hemp works i'm just saying stay away from it there's that one is the one that i see all the time that i i know is not is not of the quality that they claim i i have definitely seen some ho-hum products i've even seen cbd products being sold in gas stations you really gotta be intentional with this stuff. If any, I, I, if with anything that's going in your body, you have to be intentional. Absolutely, you wouldn't put in a, you wouldn't take a supplement that you didn't think was high quality. And and CBD is exactly that. It's a supplement. Our bodies have an endocannabinoid system. We are designed to con- to ingest these products. We're supposed to have them in our bodies. They're healthy, healing, but you have to make sure that they're high quality. Absolutely, I like to equate it uh, kind of to like gas station sushi. Yeah. Hmm. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank exactly. you so much for taking the time out of your schedule to sit down and chat with us about mental health and cannabis use. Uh, yes. I definitely have enjoyed chatting with you, and I hope that you enjoyed your time here on the show. Yeah, you know, I want to actually make an offer to your listeners. I personally have been working with a CBD company called Thought Cloud. They're super high quality products and I can offer your listeners a 15% discount on any purchase if they just use my name as the discount code, Anna Rose. Um, you can go to my Instagram. There's going to be more information on there soon. This is the first time I've ever put this offer out. It's not even public yet. So it's exclusive for you guys for now. And I have tried their products. I can vouch for their quality. Their transparency is awesome and they have something for everyone on their website. So I highly recommend them if you're looking for a starter product. Thanks. Great to chat with you guys. So before we go, guys, uh, that again was for Cloud CBD. Um, You can go and use her name, Anna Rose, for 15% off any of their cannabis products. If you are looking for her Instagram, it is Anna, Anna Rose. Um, she is very widely known for her um, life life coach strategies and um, pub, like self help videos. Um, all of everything that she talked about today was really awesome. I mean, I, I'm very glad that we had her on the show today. Yeah, that was great. That was a really good conversation. And she definitely brought up a lot of the things, healthy coping mechanisms, ways to balance yourself. I really am just glad that we took the time to sit down with her today. 
Yeah, it was like uh, definitely we've only done two interviews so far, but it was definitely I feel like uh, something I felt a little bit more at home at. <laughs> you recording? Yes. Ah. <laughs> yes, we are. <laughs> All right. Well, for some reason I thought we stopped recording, but uh, we are gonna sign off, guys. So thank you so much for listening. Y'all keep it smooth.